what's up everybody welcome back to rebranded safety this week we are going back into august edition of the ios magazine there's another awesome article they seem to have been on a roll that month um, all about behavioral safety and individual latent error detection i found it fascinating something that absolutely blights my life inside and outside of work so let's get into the podcast Health and safety is almost a victim of its own success. We need an oppressive regime of health and safety regulation. A huge fire engulfs the tower block. Children being forced to wear goggles to play conkers at school. Worst oil field disaster, 164 dead. Rebranding safety, the modern health and safety podcast, crushing the stereotype. And your host, James McPherson. Okay, so there was an article in IOSH magazine in August that I read, uh, well there's quite a few um, that I read, um, point proven because a couple of them are on the podcast, so there was quite a lot in there that was interesting is what I'm trying to say. Right, we're off to a good start. Basically, this one was called Error Alert. I'll link in the description for you guys to grab and have a read if you want to. Um, Same same regimen same regimen same what's the word i'm looking for come on come on come on same procedure as usual there's a word there that i'm i know it's really simple and i'm missing it and i, I don't know where it is anyway same as usual <laughs> maybe yes as what i normally do is i've gone through it i've read it i've highlighted some of my favorite bits i'm going to read them out and i may or may not add my 10 pence worth so let's get into it then so firstly the introduction um the articles uh, in a behavioral safety section called error alert um by words by paul smith um he introduced it as researchers call it individual latent error detection or ILED. It's a phenomenon we all recognize in our behavior at home and at work. We settle down for the night, but we suddenly remember we haven't locked the back door. We are in our best shirt or blouse before setting off to that big family reunion. And then a couple miles down the road, we suddenly recall that the iron might still be on. Or at work, we suddenly realise that we can't go to meeting A because we've already committed to meeting B. We open our calendars to check and find it is indeed so. This is something that just runs my life. I have to check the door like before I go to bed. If I come downstairs to pick something that say I left my charger downstairs I have to recheck the door maybe it's OCD I'm not sure leave the house if there is even an inkling that I may or may not have locked the door I need to go back and check so if I'm in the car with Sherry and Sherry goes did we lock the door I can't go yep I definitely locked the door even if I know I have I have to go back and check it I always do this I have done this so many times where I've drove so far away and thought I need to go back and check the door it, I, I can't, I feel it's uncomfortable in me. Um, so I found this article quite personally intriguing, um, let alone professionally. So let's move on to the next section. The original research identified ILEDs as a, as a distinct phenomenon was carried out in the UK's Royal Navy, specifically during aircraft, aircraft engineering operations on ships and inland-based air squadrons. It takes a little imagination to see that the consequences of a single of a simple failure 
He continues on, but you can imagine what he's going to say. You know, you can imagine the consequences of a simple failure on, you know, any kind of aircraft engineering, uh, especially in the military. Um, so they did research into ILED, um, which is primarily where a lot of the stuff's coming from in this article, I should imagine. So let's move on then. So we need only look at some of the disasters in oil, gas, and transport sectors for part sectors for the part played by simple errors, often made in stressful moments to become apparent, starting up equipment that had bits missing, Piper Alpha, pumping, and let's just turn the page, flammable liquids into vessels that were already full, Texas City refine, refinery explosion, Bunsfield fuel depot fire in Hertfordshire, um, taking a roll on roll off ferries to sea with their bow doors open, um, or insecure capsides of MS Hemerald of the Free Enterprise in the North Sea and MS Estonia in the Baltic spring to mind. Now they're all quite large, um, popular. What's the word I'm looking for? They're quite. Um, oh, what's the friggin' word? I can't remember how to speak today. They're all very popular incidents. Most of us are aware of those, especially kind of like Bunsfield and uh, Piper Alpha, you know, we are fully aware of most of these stuff. And yes, they are simple errors. I think it's worth worth noting that, you know, in my opinion, which they do kind of touch on in here, is that, you know, behavior is defined by the environment. Um, you know, it, there's no such thing as human error in my opinion. Um, but that's open to debate, I suppose. But I, genu I genuinely do believe that, you know, we create the environments that, that we behave in. So this concept is, is extremely interesting that kind of you know if you're working in those high risk industries especially where you know you you're supposed to have done something and then you go on your off shift you go for lunch or whatever you go to bed and you realize shit i haven't done that you know just huge absolutely huge so let's move on this brings us to the light bulb moment that led the Royal Navy Air Engineer Officer Commander Justin Seward to investigate ILED in more detail. One day, an off-watch engineer phoned in to query whether he had carried out a procedure correctly. Seward dis dis discerned a pattern. Oh, there we go. Discerned a pattern of these recall of possible error moments and realised their potential implications for safety so there was obviously a trend of people thinking that they'd made a possible error and just ringing up to check now firstly i think that's a great sign of a good kind of ownership of their roles you know people were and this is probably inherent in the military i don't know i've never worked in the military um but that kind of phone call to say look i think i've done this wrong can you double check for me I'll be well impressed if I got that phone call. One, you've rang up, you've, you've purposely gone out of your way to ring up because you think you've made an error, to tell me that you think you've made an error, which a lot of people in nowadays and everyday life would think, oh, I'm not going to tell them. They'll, something goes wrong, they'll think it was me. It's that kind of, I need to ring up and check that I've done this right or wrong, um, because if I haven't, something could go wrong. Um, so for me, that's a big uh, signal, a big sign of positive um, culture to a point. Um, but a good positive attitude towards the work they've done and realization of the risk that they are, the risk of what they're doing, potentially. 
So anyway, this, this continues on. He says, in the Navy, in the Navy, in the Navy, what's that song? Anyway, moving on, James, stop getting distracted. FYI, if you do get this article, right, I don't know if anyone's seen it, but there's like a video on YouTube of these guys doing like this kind of really stupid walking dance thing with this really big smile on their face and it's really bad dancing i think it's hilarious anyway the guy in the image of this article it looks like he's walking in that exact video and it's extremely distracting i wish this was a video i could show you but it's not anyway moving on i'll start that section again so it continues on then he says in the navy we have many factors already stacked in our favor. For example, in a military environment, we are fortunate to have tra highly trained and disciplined people who follow robust systems. What's more, they typically have a very high degree of safety awareness and consciousness, and yet errors were occurring and people were concerned about them. I think that goes to show that you can focus on competence, you can focus on procedure, you can focus on so much stuff and still things go wrong, which is really interesting. You know, well, they're talking a high degree of safety awareness and consciousness. You know, I like that phrase consciousness. I think for me that's like, you know, it's you're conscious of risks and hazard. It's a nice way to say that. Um, you know, so he seems quite proud. He seems quite... Um, what's the word confident in his systems yet had acknowledged that there was something going wrong um, so they basically identified this phenomenon which I thought was was quite good of them to kind of spot that and not just um, you know I think we, we all kind of fall victim to that kind of oh we're just surrounded by idiots attitude and etc etc we just think you know oh god can't rely on common sense anymore kind of thing and, and and i think it's good that they've gone well hang on a minute why are we still getting problems we've got a high level of safety consciousness and awareness we've got robust systems etc we've got you know a good disciplined system within the military and yet we're still having issues so instead of just writing off that their squad or whatever they call them was um full of idiots they looked into it researched it which i thought was good so then they break this down into different sections, um, but I won't break that now. I can't read the whole thing. It's like four pages long, um, but let's continue on. So Stanton says, so Neville Stanton is professor of human factors in transport of Southampton University. Um, so Stanton says, we use schemas, um, mini maps for how we do things, but we also have a mental process in which the mind compares what we have done with what we should have done. This involves both the conscious and the subconscious. I thought that was fascinating because, if I'm honest, the, the human brain and psychology just fascinates me anyway. Um, but I just love that kind of that that kind of thing of like you know we our subconscious is comparing what our what we are consciously doing. So we are consciously comparing what we are doing, but we are also subconsciously comparing. So then when we remove ourselves from that situation, we can compare even more because we're not in the moment. Um, 
which I, I just find fascinating. So I'll continue on anyway. So a system approach that promotes safety behaviors both at the organizational level and among individuals and teams is vital. But we need to recognize that highly trained and experienced workers naturally habituate to the requirements of the job they have learned to perform. So I thought, I thought that was fascinating to a point that you can you can procedural the shit out of this stuff, you can competence the shit out of this stuff, you can have some extremely intelligent, highly competent people and they will still develop habits. If we do something all the time, it becomes a habit and they will habituate what they do. So this is where I find uh, shadow shadowing exercises and kind of things sometimes fall down i remember and this is a real real simple kind of comparison you know we're probably talking about like aircraft pilots and people doing some real serious shit in this article but you know if i kind of really drum it back to you know probably what you guys are doing which is this kind of everyday role we think about these kind of shadowing things. So a lot of people kind of, um, you will get a new member of staff in, you'll maybe give them an induction. So let's say manufacturing, you would give them an induction and you would give them to an operator and operate maybe a, a shadowing scheme to train them on how to do it. And, and hopefully that's in line with some kind of standard operating procedures and risk assessments, etc., etc. Now, who you have doing the, the being the shadowy, is that, no, the shadower, be it producing the shadow, how would you say that you whoever is the operator would be the better way to say it you know is imparting their wisdom their knowledge of the machine so inherently you're probably going to pick someone who's been there a long time you need to be aware of that person's habits so and i'll put this into context i remember doing a fire evacuation drill and we were observing this machine quite stealthily when we'd set the alarm off. So two of my colleagues had set the alarm off and me and one of the managers of their, this area were kind of up on the gangway trying to stay hidden um, and just kind of observing what would happen. Not to kind of whack them with a stick or anything, to just see how people react. Um, so anyway, the alarm went off and this apprentice that we had on, machine apprentice, just immediately reacted perfectly. The only thing he didn't do was shut down the machine, but we would have never required or expected an, an apprentice to have done that. The machine operator was not there at the time. They were out getting coffee. So the apprentice did everything that they're supposed to do and, and then immediately evacuated the factory. Was I was so impressed just went to walk out was just about to leave through the fire exit door operator comes chuntering in and goes what are you doing and the apprentice quite rightly said well the, the fire alarm's going off mate we we need to go and this operator went now mate roller shutters ain't come down it's not a real fire back you go the person that we were asking to train this new member of staff had now locked into this person's consciousness and this person's subconsciousness and their their heuristics, their anchors in what they do, that a fire is only when those roller shutters come down. Now this did a couple of things for us. It told us that maybe we need to do a drill with the roller shutters come down, which we did do, and the fucking factory lost its shit, which I thought was hilarious. Um, 
hilarious and concerning, but this gentleman had developed this habit, this perception um, that an evacuation was only when these roller shutters come down. And they had then passed that habit onto a new member of staff. So I think it's important that we acknowledge that people develop habits. Now habits can be good and they can also be bad. We've we've acknowledged that, you know, there's a bad habit. But sometimes people might develop a, a quicker way to do things. You know, they might spot a better way to do things. Bear in mind, you know, you're a safety advisor or you're the business owner. It might have been a long time since you've you've run that machine. You might have never run that machine. So these operators might come in and be a bit intuitive and be a bit innovative and think, well, actually, can't we do this this way? And then they develop a habit of doing that. Maybe they don't want to tell anybody. And then one day you come along and be like, you're not following a procedure. And they say, yeah, but look at this. Then we can start thinking, well, okay, actually, that's a much better way to do things. Um, but I just find it's, it's interesting that, you know, we're getting here from a professor of human factors that, you know, no matter who you are, how heavily trained you are, how highly competent you are, you know, we naturally habituate to requirements of the, of the job. So another way of looking at that is, if you naturally habituate to the requirements of the job, so now we're not talking about people that are creating their own habits, now we're talking about the job itself becoming a habit. This is where it is vital when you're developing the requirements of the job, the procedures, the policies, the risk assessment, you're involving the workers. You know, if you just deliver safety in a pizza box and say, you know, this is how we do things, they're going to develop a habit of that job requirement to what they're saying here. So if we then look at it from that point of view, is that those procedures have got to be spot on. But as human nature and as machines evolve and get uh, older etc etc things change products change life changes people change and inherently over a long time procedures can become wrong to no fault of anybody they just inherently become outdated old we might find a better way to do it whatever so it's massively important that we are constantly reviewing this stuff we're constantly engaging with our workers we're constantly communicating you know if we have got a, a manual a procedure book whatever you want to call it health and safety fault and it's covered in fucking dust then it's providing no value to the business and is therefore completely pointless let's move on the next bit I've got highlighted, the danger here is desensitization to the task's risks. Even in high consequence sectors such as construction, healthcare, nuclear power, this is often misinterpreted as complacency, which is rare in workers in safety critical organizations. When workers habituate to their workplace, they become desensitized to the risk. Undetected errors can manifest in the safety system, especially when those workers are insufficiently aware of their actions, brackets sometimes termed unsafe acts by safety professionals to close brackets. This, this in turn can lead to undetected errors, brackets forming a latent condition, close brackets in the safety system, weakening the organization's overall performance. Interesting point there, which I'm going to do a bit extra research into, but misinterpreted as complacency, which is rare in workers in safety critical organizations. Interesting. I found that that just that one line kind of pricked my ears up, if that makes sense. 
I would read this, and I and I did read the first the first line of this. You know where we're talking about um, becoming desensitized to task. I was like, well, that's just a posh way to say complacency. Um, but desensitization is is a different thing, isn't it? It's like it's if we lose sense in our in our fingers, we still know that the hot tap is hot because we probably you know lived our life and now we've become um, desensitizing our fingers because of some crazy disease or whatever. I don't I don't know, but we know that it's a hot tap. So and we're using it to get hot water, but we touch it and we've got no sense in our fingers so it's not the fact that we don't know it's a risk it's the fact that we've become desensitized to said risk um which i thought is quite a different way to look at it and i think that's definitely got legs in it um and i wanted to say it because you know i wanted to say that i was i it pricked my interest it really got my attention that line and and i think there's some more it's food for thought for me anyway especially um and i would be really interested to see what you think of that kind of one-liner um maybe we approach neville and let's see if he wants to come and talk about it i'll I'll, i shall make that my mission we'll find him on linkedin because it sounds like a very interesting gentleman let's move on then next section that i highlighted the research suggests we need to ensure relevant cues are in place to trigger recall also unconsciousness or sorry also unconscious or semi-conscious control modes associated with skilled workers need to be brought back into the conscious so that people reconnect with the world around them so you know the simplest way i thought about this is when you know if i need to make sure i don't forget something i will put a post-it on the door um if i really don't want to forget i might even put a post-it on a car i remember using uh, working sorry with a with a guy a volunteering at a youth club I was and this gentleman literally his car was covered in post-its it was unbelievable they were everywhere you couldn't sit down there was just post-its everywhere and I just thought you know it's this has gone past the point of a to-do list there is so much here you are never going to do some of this stuff anyway slightly digress there so you know it's about ensuring there are cues in place to trigger the recall so here we're talking about you know it could be signage but it's that it's strategic signage i think you know you might put signage in place but if let's think about it if we just put signage up in random then what's the point you know and and we could put too much signage we could put not enough but we we're talking about recall and cues to create recall so it's slight things you might think about you know you can have something simple being like have you turned your machine off in the coffee machine right by the coffee machine sorry you know it's that kind of thing so they think shit no i haven't and they just go back but then it's like well that sign's there for longer than a year two years it becomes things something you ignore um so it's also about kind of ram you know randomly changing them regularly changing them etc etc thinking as well like you know overuse of signage in my opinion yeah we are desensitized to the hot tap in my opinion because every hot tap warning signs has every hot tap sorry has a warning sign so we are desensitized to that sign so actually we don't know now whether that hot tap is hot or not 
or too hot you know if it's too hot that's when you need a warning sign so actually we don't know that we can't differentiate between a an okay hot tap so we're not going to scold ourselves and a hot tap that is not safe yeah that's what i'm looking for which is not safe because the sign is everywhere but yet i have this argument time and time again with some safety professionals they just don't want to acknowledge that putting too much signage up somewhere and too many cues and too many kind of prompts is just it's completely missing the trick you know we were talking about the nudge theory you know and, and i get it and i like it but if we're nudging people all the friggin' time, they'll just get pissed off with the nudge and then they'll get used to the nudge and then the nudge becomes pointless. It's about using all of these things, you know. You could get a bit of nudge theory, you could get a bit of, you know, visual literacy, literacy which we talked about in another podcast. You could get a little bit of training, a little bit of competency, you know, a little bit of procedural documents you know all these things all come together like one jigsaw you know they're all parts they're all integral cogs in the management of health and safety um so it's important to acknowledge that you know when we're thinking about creating cues and signage i'm just using that as one example there are probably loads of other ways that we could do it conversations you know but if we're going to go with something then it's got to be strategic so always ask yourself i'm doing this but is it delivering value is it delivering what i want to do if it does not provide value then it should not be there okay so next i've highlighted a load of bullet points um which are basically um in terms of practical actions some of the most important things on triggering i-l-e-d-r recall is the most is recall is most likely to occur within two hours from the original error if possible therefore allow an interval between restarting critical equipment so you've got that two hour gap of the original error so you've got to keep that in mind so allow an interval between restarting critical equipment remember we're talking about quite specific things here there is a there is a full document on this stuff uh by Justin R.E. Stewart or the report, I don't know whether it's a report or a book, uh, by CBC Press, but I shall, I shall find a link to that and put it on there. So if you want to look into this stuff a hell of a lot more, then you can do it via that link, hopefully. Let's move on to the next point, bullet point then. Encourage reflection during and at the end of the task. For example, by using the stop, look and listen technique. I really like this encourage reflection at the end of the task so it's kind of that the bell goes you know it, it, when I when I read it first time I've, I immediately thought about the school bell the school bell goes we stop and we run out the room yeah what if the school bell went and that meant that we just had 30 seconds reflection on the class you know, on the the lessons we've learned today. No discussion, we just sit and we just think. Now, some people sit there and think, you know, about whether they're going to kiss that new girlfriend at the weekend or whether mum's going to buy them that Xbox or whatever. But some people, in a lesson that has grabbed their attention, and remember what when I said earlier that it's not a one-trick pony, so, you know, it's got to provide value. So the reflection means that they're reflected on something that's grabbed their attention, specifically talking about kids here, but... Um, kind of that 
that same thing at work so especially in manufacturing you have that kind of that bell that goes off or it's break time you might just have a big clock or whatever and it, everyone just stops and walks out the room and goes it's never it's never that reflection piece and you know i'm not saying all roles need to do this but you know we're kind of teetering on the edge of like mindfulness here you know that kind of mindfulness throughout the role but also at the end just stopping and thinking what did I just do? Was it was, did, was it providing value? You know, if I get to the end of my podcast and I sit there and I think, did I like that? Was it good? How could I do it any better? Um, so being mindful throughout the process, but then that period of reflection at the end, I really like that. And I really do think that a lot of businesses could benefit from that, regardless of how high or low your risk, the risk of your operations are. Uh, next bullet point then recall rates are increased by prompts such as checklists in work documents now i'm not a massive fan of checklists but i can see where they're going with this especially for those kind of high risk tasks you know if you're going to have that checklist piece then again make sure it delivers value i in my years have developed so many checklists that i would now go back and say what the fuck is that you know why are we having this stuff it's got to deliver value i remember having an incident um and it was something around like um a portable power tool i can't remember what it was for the life of me but something happened it was it wasn't really bad i think it was like a a, a small rid or um we put in this portable power tool um checklist which was done once and that once was when that I was training the people on doing it. It was just never used again. Um, actually, the value came from what they learned on that little how to use this sheet. They still did it, but they didn't record it on the sheet because they never had the time. So it never really delivered any value, but I wasn't worried because we'd not had that incident again in a long time. Well, we never had it in the time that I was there. I had to look at all the tools myself when we did our kind of... Um, engineering workshop risk assessments when we did any audits or anything like that and they were always in really good condition from that point onwards so I get what this I get what they're going with this remember this you know they're talking about some real high risk stuff here and you know you're probably going to have those kind of checklist pieces and they probably do provide value um, in a lot of this stuff you know you have like a lockout tagout system it's going to be quite heavily procedurally based and controlled for the right reasons and and so it should be you know if this stuff goes wrong shit's going to really hit the fan so I do really like this. Just remember to put it into context when you read it, if you do read it. Um, okay, next one. Visual prompts are especially effective. Perhaps a photo of the equipment as it should be in a safe state. It can be something as simple as a picture of a pen to prompt, have you written up the paperwork? I... I get this. I, I do get it. I've seen this stuff being used. It's, it's used quite a lot. These are these are techniques that you know have come from these high risk industries and manufacturing industry, especially has kind of taken this on board. Probably engineering as well, and a hell of a lot of other in, in, industries probably. I do think it is that it's that worry that it is not a one trick pony. You know, this stuff is all about. You know, you've got to think back to what we were saying earlier that. You know, it's not just, oh, yeah, I'll do that. I'll get a picture of my machine of what it should look like. Uh, and then people will know what it should look like. But let's put this into context yet again is that 
And remember they said that in the Navy, we have many factors already stacked in our favor. For example, in a military environment, we're fortunate to have very highly trained and disciplined people who follow robust systems. What's more, they typically have a very high degree of safety awareness and consciousness. Remember that because that's so important that to say that if you, if you just go and put these pictures and these prompts in place, it's not going to be enough. You know, are your people competent? Does the procedure work? Does it make sense? Do people understand it? Were they involved in it? This is culture. Culture is not this kind of floaty thing, that this spiritualism thing that is just full of it's just fucking shit that millennials talk about you know it's it's all the pieces of the jigsaw in place and just being able to sit back and realize that it's not a one-trick pony i also think as well that it's worth considering you're not micromanaging people um so you know have you written up your paperwork again come back to what i said earlier does that paperwork actually need to be there um and ask yourself does it deliver value Next one, take breaks between safety critical tasks. They maximize reflection and error recall. This, I absolutely bum this. This is spot on. You know, that kind of highlight those safety critical tasks in what you're doing. You could even utilize this for like quality. You could do any kind of that, that kind of quality critical task, that kind of safety critical, life critical task. Stop, think, reflect stop think reflect at these key points in your your post you know you could even just use that as a point stop have a cup of tea you know they don't need to go away and make a cup of tea they could just stop and drink the tea that they made already because let's be honest everyone in england especially has got a cup of tea within the vicinity you know stop and think about what you've just done i love the idea of doing that at critical points with throughout a process um, and i do think that has got some serious legs for a hell of a lot of businesses remember it's not a one-trick pony but i do think this is a great great example i loved it so last bit that i have highlighted and then i shall close out and you can go on your merry way People are most likely to be open about their recalled errors if you have a culture in which it's permissible to put your hand up and say, look, I think I've got this wrong or I may have got this wrong. Conversely, stigmatizing those who report errors can only have a negative effect. I thought that was the best way to finish this podcast, if I'm honest. I couldn't have said it any better myself, um, but I'm still going to. it's so important that i think we can incentivize and we can do things like that 100 percent. but i think it's important to just realize that it's that it's that i'll tell you what it is it's that kind of just culture piece isn't it it's that kind of you know yes you've done something wrong but you've rang you've said you know i think i've done this wrong then that's the most important thing to focus on you know the fact that they rang up that is what you focus on and you say great thanks not what you probably automatically react to which is you fucking idiot which is probably the first thing that comes to your head but what you need to do is go shit right okay thanks for ringing me i'll ring you back i'll let you know i'm gonna have a look cheers buddy yeah thanks a lot bye you know that's what it needs to be you're thankful you're grateful you're reacting in a positive way 
you're saying thank you, they're going to be fucking nervous anyway because they've rang up and told you that they think they've made a mistake on probably what is a safety critical system or it could just be a risky process. So they've already become nervous. They're already, you know, waiting on the end of the phone because you can tell inherently what kind of person they are because they rang up. You need to encourage that 100%. You need to encourage that. You need to not chastise them because they made that mistake what you do need to do is try to work out why that mistake was made and stop it happening again and to stop it happening again is not bollocking that person it's never going to get you anywhere so 100% thank you jump on this get it fixed ring them back say no mate it was all good you did it thanks for ringing anyway really really appreciate that have a great weekend yeah or you're ringing them up and you say, sorry, I didn't ring you straight back, mate. It went down to the machine. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to say, buddy, you, you did forget to shut that valve. Um, it's all right. We fixed it now. When you're in, let's just have a chat. Let's try and work out what was going on at the time. If we can try and highlight any kind of distractions or, you know, what was going on. Let's try and see if, if this is potentially a wider problem for anyone else, uh, for any other areas of the factory. Um don't worry about it for now. We fixed it. I really, really appreciate you giving me a call. Um, this could have been so much worse if you haven't called me. So thank you. Thank you very much. And that's the thing to take away this weekend is that you rang up. We got it fixed. And I really, really appreciate your honesty. Um, have a great weekend, buddy. Honestly, I know this is going to get you down anyway. But please don't let it. Go and enjoy your weekend. I'll see you on Monday. Um, and thank you again. For me, that's the best way to kind of approach this. You've, you've got to kind of be self-aware if you're doing something like that. You've got to stop yourself and go, or let, you know, swallow that FU that you're thinking in the head and, and just kind of approach this in a professional manner. You know, if it comes to the point where that person needs to be chastised, then I, I like the old saying of chastising private and praising public. Um, I think that stands, you know, we can go lessons learned, but we don't need to be like Dave left a valve open because he's a fucking idiot. Um, and you're, you're going to make sure that you're not a fucking idiot. You know, that's not the way we need to go with this. The other thing I think that last paragraph says is you focus on that culture piece. And remember what I said earlier, that culture is a full jigsaw. Um, you've got to focus on each individual part of the, the, the jigsaw. You've got to focus on each individual cog. Um, I think you've also got to acknowledge that, in my opinion, there is no such thing as a health and safety culture. It's a business culture. You're never going to get a good, positive mental attitude towards health and safety if the business creates an environment where they treat their staff like shit and people don't want to work there. If people don't want to work there, then it doesn't matter what I go as a safety person to say, let's do this, let's, let's not do that. It doesn't matter because they're already in a negative place. Um, so... I hope you've enjoyed that. I feel like these reading of articles is quite good, but let me know. Let me know what you think. Tweet me. Um, safety rebranded. Um, you've got Facebook rebranded safety. Come find me on LinkedIn as well. Um, James McPherson on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter as well. James McPherson 8, I think it is. Anyway, everything's linked in the description. I hope you found this useful. Um, yeah. Catch you next week, guys. Safe. <laughs>